Welcome to the Business of Doing Science podcast brought to you by Bagamian Scientific Consulting. On this podcast, we discuss different aspects of pursuing science-related careers and just how science is actually done beyond the bench. So stay tuned to find out more. Hello, everyone. I'm Karun Bagamian. On today's episode, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Lindsay Leitner and Heidi Bolduck, as we explore another career transition. Our guest today is Jesus Martinez Manzo. Jesus has a very unique career trajectory, and I personally find his transition especially relevant in today's technology landscape, and I hope you will too. Welcome, Jesus, and thank you for joining us. Can you give us a little bit of background about what you're doing these days? Well, first of all, I want to say that really thank you for having me here. It's, it's a big pleasure. And yeah, that, that's a big question. There's lots to unpack there. But maybe I'll just give you the short answer, which is the easy answer about what do I do. So, so today, I, I lead a, a computer vision team at Planet Labs, which is an Earth observation company. Our company designs, builds, and operates satellites in space. They observe the Earth every day constantly. And my team builds a software that automatically analyzes those millions of images and extracts information from them automatically. Really cool. One of the things that we'd like to cover in this podcast as a part of this is to talk about your education history, because in this case, you have come back to a little bit of how you started, but I know that there was a transition in the middle that we'll talk about a little more. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is, Can you tell us a little bit about your education and what you did for that? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I did my PhD in astronomy and that was at the University of Florida. I finished seven years ago. And back then I was about to go into a postdoc, which is like the natural path in academia. But at the time there was this emerging field in the industry called data science. (laughs) It's a funny name. Um, and at the time, it was, it was just emerging. So there was a, this huge thing exploding. And it was very clear that they needed a lot of people with a skill set that I happened to have. So I thought, why don't you just jump into it? So it was obviously something very different from academia to industry and this new thing. But it sounded exciting. So I did that. And I, I traveled to California, to Silicon Valley, where there were the, the most jobs at the time in data science. Actually, I took a very nice road trip. I convinced a friend of mine from Spain to fly over and we, we drove for two weeks. But awesome. Yeah, that, sounds, story. <laughs> that sounds like an interesting story, maybe for another podcast. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was an <laughs> epic trip for an epic change of career and life. Yeah, and, and so then I took a job as a data scientist in a, a digital payments processing platform, which was part of a financial institution, but it was not about science. It was about basically detecting credit card fraud using machine learning techniques. So I did that for a few years, and then I went into Planet Labs, which is the company I'm currently in. Planet Labs is completely different. It's, again, about space, although not like astronomy, where you observe the stars. In this case, you put things in space, but to observe the Earth. Uh, A lot of the skills and a lot of the processing that you do is very similar to what we used to do in astronomy. So that's why my skill set was a very good match to this new type of work. So one of the questions I have, this is for our listeners to help them if this is something that they would be interested in doing. Do you think there's a particular degree or educational trajectory that can help someone succeed at what you're doing right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first I will define what it is that I do right now. That would be great. So so I think broadly, I would put myself in the bucket of people doing data, data science and machine learning. There's also AI thrown out there, but it's really about the same stuff. And the basic skill set that you need is, in my opinion, of course, 
mathematics, you just understand you know, statistics, math, know how to build software. And then third, know how to do scientific experimentation. And you can get these three things through many degrees, many paths of life. So I'm not going to tell you to do astronomy or whatever, but I think you need those three things. Maybe yeah. you need them, but it helps. It definitely helped me. So the first two might be obvious, like, yeah, you know, math, if you're going to do like mathy things, and obviously you need to know software because you're going to be building products. But the scientific experimentation is one that's not obvious and, and most people actually don't have it. The reason why I think it's very important because it helps you judge. You know, in any data-related field, you're always tackling new problems, new different data sets. All data problems are evolving. They are dynamic. You always are facing constantly new things that you haven't seen before. And that is very similar to the way you do science, right? You try to tackle an unknown problem. You, you create a hypothesis, maybe an experimentation. You get information, and then you need to evaluate that information and then inform next steps. So there's a yeah. lot of judgment going on there based on information. And that, that way of thinking, which... If you've done a PhD, you've been doing that for every year, every day. So it kind of becomes natural. Uh, but I think it's very, very important for, for this and probably the professions out there. But I feel like in data science and machine learning, it's, it's key. Yeah, that actually answered one of the other questions that we like to talk about. We covered this in our first interview. We talked about what originally a PhD was envisioned for is to be a professor and to learn certain things. But it's interesting because there's a lot of skills that you learned during that time where exactly what you said you probably didn't go to your current job knowing the scientific method is going to help you in that job. I mean, maybe you would think that, but you don't know that for sure. And you're like, wow, that actually really helped me. So that's what we'd like to hear about because a lot of people, when they're transitioning into different careers and stuff like that, sometimes feel lost. For example, someone did a PhD and they don't become a professor. They're like, oh, I can't apply my skills. So it's really great to hear about the different ways that mm -hmm. that works. So one of the things that we also like to talk about is just like, what your typical workday is like so that when people listen to this, they can say, oh yeah, that sounds like a good fit for me, or that doesn't sound like a good fit for me, you know? Right. Yeah. So the things I do every day are not only related to the field, but also about my position in the company. I have a management position, meaning that a lot of my time is spent in strategy and, and taking a management of the team. I still do some individual contributor development work, maybe yeah. like 30% or 40% of my time. I was going to ask a question about that. So do you enjoy managing a team? Is this something that you thought you would do? Is this something that you wanted to do? Or is it something that is an obvious trajectory because, you know, you were going to the next level in your career? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that if you want to have an impact in life or anywhere, you are going to have to manage something, whether you call yourself a manager or not, or you're still an individual contributor, you're going to be managing projects, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to take decisions at some point. And so, yes, definitely. I like doing that because that's the way to, to have impact. Gotcha. Yeah. Great. So I think you kind of touched on this, but like I'll include this in one of the questions is which of your skills that you already had do you feel was the most handy for your job? And along those lines, was there any skills that you wish you had? So answer both of those if you can, because maybe they'll go together. Because I know you kind of started answering this with the scientific method and all that stuff that you were saying earlier. Right. Yeah. So I think the one that set me apart the most and the one that was most useful, most differentiated was coming from a PhD and being really being very comfortable tackling very hard problems and making mm -hmm. good decisions um, okay. along them. Interesting. Um, then yeah. the, the one that was lacking the most was probably software engineering practices. Uh, so, you know, during the PhD, I did a lot of coding, a lot of very high performance computing, et cetera. But you do it, the, the paradigm of coding is very different versus the industry. So in the industry, mm -hmm. you have 
you know, you have standard practices, you have the, the good ways of building things so that they're robust, so that they are collaborative. You build code that others will use, whereas even your PhD, sometimes that's not the case, only you see it. So all that would have been more helpful in the end. I learned that uh, in, on the job. You did, okay. But at the, at the beginning, there was some of a learning curve. Yeah. So for people that maybe want to do something like that, do you think that it would be helpful for them to take a course or, you know, I know there's different like kind of certifications for certain software things. Do you think mm -hmm. that's useful, you know, for something like what you're doing? Yeah. I, yeah. That's, I think it's a great question and, and probably the most useful one as in, no, if, if you're, if you want to be part of this field, what do you do exactly? <laughs> Where yeah. should you look? And yeah. honestly, the, the, this field, IML, it's, it's yeah. so broad already. Like yeah. weeks ago, it was like this, these few things, but now, there's so many roles, it, it has expanded so much. So I would say that if what you want is to be a machine learning engineer in particular, that's yeah. that's more of a software engineer. So you need to be very strong in software engineering practices. Okay. Of course, you need to know all your math and stuff. I guess the short answer is that, is that there's no easy way. I know that a lot, yeah. a lot of people think that, oh, maybe I'll just take this Coursera course and then I will know. And of course, like, well, no. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work that way, right? So, <laughs> I didn't expect that, but I know, I know. I know that's a problem. And actually you will, will bring this up, I think in the end, when we are finishing up, I had asked you a question. You had said some good response to that. I've heard that because I know that now they test people that come into jobs because sometimes people say they're an expert at something and they're not. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? Like exactly seven years ago, the companies were hiring for data scientists, but because they did not have data scientists in the company, they couldn't interview. They didn't know how to interview. So they, yeah. they you know, it was kind of a mess. And now companies know how to interview for these things. They know, they know yeah. what they want. So it's become more professional versus just like a hype job as it was. Yeah, as it was before. All right. So you talked about one of the one of the skills and I, maybe there's more. Just let us know. Maybe not. What skills did you learn on the job? You said it sounds like software skills. Was there any soft skills or other skills that you also learned in a job, not necessarily technical ones? Mm -hmm. Particularly, so. particularly soft skills. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so not only from the fact that I'm, I'm a manager, but just the fact that I that our company has grown a lot and I was part of a team that's, that was, so I, I was one of the founders of a team and then we yeah. grew the team and then we grew a product from scratch. So we did a wow. lot of building from, from nothing. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, and I, I learned a lot about this product, about how a company works, how teams yeah. work, how to build an efficient team, how to build efficient processes, how to uh, think about strategy of the company and you know, all these things that yeah. are not really hard, but just, just, just have to, just have to live it. There's yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Learn from, from books or, or exactly courses. just like life experience. I was yeah. going to say, so was this, and I, I, I might've missed it. Was this company a startup when you joined it? Yeah. Yeah. So like, where is it in its own business cycle? Let's ask that question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so when I, so this company was founded in 2010, uh, okay. when I joined in 2017, I was okay. like 400 people. So it was, as a mature startup. And, and right now we are in, in kind of the, in the, the last stage of, of the life cycle of a company, which is when you, you know, become publicly listed in the market. That's going to congratulations. Cool. congratulations. Wow. Congratulations. That's cool. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, that is it, huge. It is, yeah. The, the company is transforming itself. So it's very interesting to, to see. And yeah. To be part of it. yeah. That's really cool. Wow. So one of the things that we also like to talk about is how you do your work or what is your work style, if you know what I mean. And do you think like others with that approach would do well at your job? It's kind of trying to explain to people like that, you know, they might know how they work. And does this sound like 
okay, I have the skills, but is this like the type of thing that my work, let's say philosophy would fit or something like that? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I think, I think I know what you mean. It's like, for example, some people work better on their own. Some people like to work in personality teams, like traits, per yeah. personality traits about you that you think, you know, it may make your work ideal for you or something like that, you know, like something along those lines, like, okay, on a daily basis, I need to work with people, but I like working with people and I like having time to myself or, you know, something along mm -hmm. those lines, basically. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I definitely like to work with people and to be part of a team. So be part of something because by yourself, there's only so much you can do. Right. And maybe I'll speak more about where I came from, which is science and astronomy. I can speak about how some personalities are in, in that field and there's Perfect. a lot of people there that and you know astronomy it's basically it's like physics and so there's there's a lot of people that like to go very deep into the research and be very abstracted and work by themselves i think that that that's not a good fit for a, a role later in the industry especially if you want to grow there because it doesn't matter how smart you are or how well you could do science or whatever if you cannot work as a team and of course you need to communicate you need to know how to listen, how to hear and, and, and know when you're wrong and, and accept it and, and seek to grow and receive feedback and, and, and all these things that are kind of obvious for lots of people. But if you come from a PhD where you, for five or X years, you've been like throwing yourself yeah. into a very deep problem, you might have your own universe and think that that is it. And so, yeah, I guess you just got to be more like open-minded and really understand what is the goal. Is the goal to prove someone else that you are smart? No, the goal is get shit done, <laughs> yeah. help people and you know, be part yeah. of something bigger than you. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly, that's exactly what we meant by that question. So that is very helpful because I also know for myself that there was points in my PhD where I was like that, you know, because you have to be, and then you kind of get sick of it or you realize, and then it's like, wait, can I be another way? So it's kind of interesting. So that's one thing I want to say to our listeners, even if you think you prefer that sometimes, sometimes yes. And sometimes maybe it's worth exploring something a little bit different because you never know what is a better fit. So I think, I think you covered in that. And if you have anything else to add, the personality traits or characteristics that would make somebody a good fit at your job, I think you told us that. Is there any others that you can think of that either would make them a better fit or an ill fit for your job? Yeah, so something that i've seen sometimes i'm talking about ill-fitting kind of traits yeah. it's about making bets and prioritization this is something that i've seen a lot where i come from where you mm -hmm. have you really like a question you really like a problem and you're like oh i'm gonna, I'm gonna go at it and uh, it takes two or three years doesn't matter i'm just i just really want to go deep down to find the answer um and then maybe you do or you don't uh, and if you do it's just a result but in in, in a job like mine or in the industry in general, it matters that, you know, you, you get things done in a certain amount of time and that those things are helpful. And so this means that you cannot just go after the things that are interesting. You got to make it work and you got you to gotta know when to say no and when to stop and what to start. So there's all of judgment that goes in there that is absolutely necessary because otherwise you will just waste all your time. Great. That's exactly the type of thing we were looking for. Thank you. So in this case, one of the things that I like to ask is what are the top three tips that you would give to someone that's interested in pursuing your career path? You know, just the top three things. And you kind of touched upon this in your email and I like how you phrased one of those. So please feel free to say what you said in there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
what I would recommend, and, and maybe I, I think this this also translates to other or career paths. Other jobs, yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. I would say that first and foremost, try to have fun. Okay. If you don't, you, you gotta enjoy something to be good at it. Otherwise, you yeah. will not. So so pick a path, whatever it is available to you that you will like. Then second, pick something that is differentiated. So don't just try to do everything. For example, and in the field of data science, you can just try to learn all data science, but that's, you know, there's so many people impossible. doing that and that yeah. impossible. So, so pick something like, like a use case or industry that kind of resonates with you. Yeah, that's and good third, advice. Yeah. Yeah. And third, like go deep in it and yeah. really understand, you know, if, if there's like specific math or specific coding skills, go really try to understand that they become an expert in that. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe you can grow into other things, but yeah, I think it's important that you, you're very good at one thing at the beginning. That makes sense. Well, you also described it as know your shit, which I also liked that exactly, description. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, you got to know your shit. Yeah. There's, there was a time where you could get away with, where, where the hiring process or just like the career progression was a bit more random and stochastic. But thankfully, things are settling a bit more. That's great. So, no, that's and, great. and of course, you, you got to have patience and, and kind of understand that, that you will not get like an amazing job from day one. The careers can move very fast. You, you can go from step to step fast, but you will, it's unlikely that will, you will just jump over a bunch of steps. At least that's my experience. Yeah, thank you. And then one of the fun questions I like to ask the people that come on the show is, who are three people that you would like to have a beer with, not at the same time? Anybody, <laughs> living or dead? Well, I've, I've never thought about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's hard, you know, I've been talking so much about prioritization and stuff, and now I'm like, I know it's such a switch. I'm pick. sorry. I should have probably transitioned <laughs> you a little more. Yeah. So many things. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think because it's, it's the people I, I want to learn about, but then those people might not be the best to have a beer with. So I'm kind of I'm trying Fair to find enough. an intersection of who's fun, but also interesting. I um, guess you can mix it up and say one for coffee and one for beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I know maybe so, uh, Richard Feynman, who is okay. a very important yes. physicist. I, I yes, know was, I know uh, who he is. Yeah, that dude. makes sense. Uh, that was, <laughs> I could totally see that. <laughs> that would be uh, my, my first pick. Is that coffee or yeah. beer? That's a That would be question. a beer, yeah. All right. Yeah. And then I guess the other two, would I, I would pick like very folks very far out, you know, back in the time is to just for the fun of it just because it's going to be so awkward that uh, would be for funny. examples i don't know like for example someone like erathosthenes and talk about you know the, the trip that he took to to measure um the coverage of the earth um, yeah <laughs> and uh, and third yeah that's a tough one because it's, it's my last option so i gotta be wise I, i'll uh, give you a little break and uh, tell you think about it and i'll say that they asked me that during my qualifying exams Really? That was the last question. And I actually liked the question. And actually I answered it, but it was funny because I was an <laughs> evolutionary biologist. I think they said scientists, right? I didn't choose Darwin and they thought that was weird, but I was like, <laughs> I chose other evolutionary biologists. So one of them was JBS Haldane, who's quite a character. And that's why, because I'm like, he's a cool guy. I want to have a beer with that guy. He's interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, can I pick someone from the future as yeah. well? Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I love it. Why not? You're a physicist. It makes sense. <laughs> or physics yeah. background, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> well, I would like to 
let me think about it. I know it's hard. I and that's the thing. You can like, even like talk through it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you can tell us a few yeah. of the ones you're saying. And we can vote. Well, <laughs> actually, yeah, I would say the first person that we sent to Mars. Um, ah, oh, that's, I would like I to like know it. why the hell they're doing it because, in my opinion. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. I, I think going to Mars is, is like a life sentence. You know, it's like, why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first question. And then how about if they go and successfully come back? Then are you going to also be like, what was it like? You know, are you going to nerd out? Is that what it's about? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> go have a beer with them on Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> Hopefully at that point they can teleport you there, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Try one of the Martian microbrews. I like that. <laughs> I love it. That is great, man. Yeah. So I think, I think we covered most of the things we'd like to Lindsay and Heidi, do you have any other questions for Jesus? Actually, I kind of do way back in the day, I took an astronomy 101 class in college. So, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) but no, it's funny. I was just thinking about it the other day because I got to, a lot of people don't know that UCF, even though it's doesn't have as long of a history as UF, they do have an observatory on campus. Oh, and so that was cool. I I got to visit that. (laughs) Um, But no, I was just wondering if you ever thought about working for NASA or any other large agency like that, or if that was never like on your radar. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, yeah. I get, a, like, I get that question a lot. And uh, yes, totally. I need NASA is obviously a very respected and top institution in astronomy. But honestly, it's just one of them. So what NASA does okay. is that, of course, they're the ones that build some of the satellites and telescopes that we all use, but you don't have to be part of NASA in order to use them. Uh, actually, NASA builds all these things sometimes for the public benefit, right? So at least you just have to be affiliated with maybe some U.S. university at most. Yeah, that uh, makes it's, sense. It's, so it's not yeah. like, uh, People yeah. tend to think about NASA like exclusive club. Yeah, that you are in yeah. Or that, but that's yeah. Not it. So as a matter of fact, I for my PhD thesis, I used data from the Spitzer Space Telescope, which was yeah. built by NASA. So, but then of course you can you can be part of NASA of their institutions as scientists. NASA is probably most known for like building rockets and and you know the space shuttle and that. And that that would not obviously be my trajectory. I would be just an astronomer doing research for NASA. Yeah, uh, so, so in yeah. that sense, it, it, it didn't really add so much compared to other options out there. Okay, cool. That makes sense. I think that's a great, I think that's a great question because I think listeners would want to know that as well. And then I have another question that I want to hear about, which is, are you living in San Francisco right now? Yeah. And mm-hmm. what's that like? Pretty awesome. Pretty expensive. <laughs> tell us, tell us a little yeah, bit. Tell us yeah. the deets. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco is such a strange and unique city. Obviously, yeah, it's it's like a place like no other in terms of the tech game and the demographics and, yeah. and the mix of people. It is definitely a place where, like, if you, if you're young and rich and single, <laughs> this is this is your place. <laughs> and then, so yeah, right now I have a I have a kid, a little child, and I'm already starting to notice how this is not like the best fit because obviously the city is very expensive. It is a city. There's a lot of it's kind of dirty and it's not very. <sighs> secure in, in some places. So myself, right now, I am paying a premium over what I really need. So I'm, I I'm kind of wondering, uh, should I stay here? But at the same time, this is where very we have a lot of very cool jobs here. Yeah, um, so that's where the action balance. is, yeah. especially yeah. in what you do and everything right. like yeah. that. But I would definitely and recommend people to, to come at least spend a little bit of time, a couple of years. Yeah, 
You could totally move to Miami. I heard Miami is becoming like the new Tech startup Silicon all, Valley. All cities are saying, are claiming that, but that's yeah. That's true. Houston's Austin. trying to say that too, and I'm yeah. like, nah. And you know what? It's, it's true that they, they, of course, they are growing because uh, because the pandemic and just their their remote wave. They're gonna gain yeah. more jobs, but they're not gonna dethrone Silicon Valley because that's right. No. Yeah. So no one, this, no one is not, not at no, this point, yeah. but there are like other places that I would say are tech hubs, you know, like for that region. Right. Cause like another one is like the Raleigh Durham area has a yeah, lot that's of that. True. I was gonna, too. Yeah. And they actually, I mean, but it's not comparable. It's different. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but, but yeah, in, in that sense, like if, if someone wants to pursue a career in tech, you definitely don't have to come to Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, if, if, it is perhaps if you're going to choose a place, it's probably the, the easier one to find jobs, but you can find a bunch of jobs everywhere. So, and even it might make more economic sense given, you know, the, the high cost of living here. Yeah. You go elsewhere. But it's cool there. <laughs> 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 all right. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us about all that. It's a really different perspective. And I think, our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about this because a lot of people are really interested in astronomy and space and machine learning and stuff like that. And a lot of, you know, I think people going through graduate school have some of the skills that could be relevant to this and would be interested in this type of a job. I definitely do not have skills relevant to this, but I know others that might. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, it's growing definitely. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if, if anyone wants more advice or just talk about this, you can reach out to me through LinkedIn and I'll be happy to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. Very happy to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank Thanks you so much, much for having me. Yeah. So nice meeting you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us and listening to the Business of Doing Science podcast. For more information on our guests and access to career development resources, please click on the link to our website below. And remember, you can also visit the website to learn more about how Bagamian Sai can help you do science.